You're listening to The Great Groups Podcast. Our goal is to equip small group leaders at Brook Hills and beyond to make disciples through effective group ministry. You'll hear from Jay Gordon, who has more than 30 years of experience in leading church small group ministries. And he'll be joined by Chris Amaro, one of the small group leaders for the Church of Brook Hills. And often, you'll also enjoy interviews with other small group leaders. So, enjoy the commute, and thanks for listening to The Great Groups Podcast. Well, all right, Chris. Here we are. We are in double digits in our podcast episodes. How about that? So is this 11? This is 11. Or 12. Oh, man, don't go there again. <laughs> I confessed my bad math the last time. <laughs> so, well, today um, we're going to do 10 pillars, not caterpillars, but 10 pillars gotcha. of small group ministry. And, you know, I was thinking how I got here is trying to decide what we would do episodes, episodes on in the future. And I just wanted to kind of write down some of the major categories that we would hit. And I came up with about 10. And so, <laughs> you know, I've um, honestly, we've got like 49 future episodes bumped out right, already. So right. we've got enough to keep us busy for a while. And then coronavirus hit and got yeah. us off track for a while. That took a few and and there's still yet another one to come. But um, anyway, we uh, today we're going to talk about 10 pillars of small group ministry. So this is, uh, we're basically looking at an overview, kind of like a, the preface to having 10 actual episodes for each one of these pillars? Um, we could, we, we could. Okay, so, okay, that's but, good. Uh, yeah, we're going to try to keep this as a summary. As we talked through before, I, you know, I kept getting long-winded, and so <laughs> anyway, we will try to keep this as a summary of those and then dig deeper later. But um, we love to start the show with something kind of humorous, and in my responsibilities here at Brook Hills, um, I also spend a little bit of time with our senior adults, and they've been pretty good, as we mentioned, meeting on Zoom. And so today we did a, a Zoom call in which I gave them a tour of our building that's under construction. You did this with Zoom? Uh, yes, and what I did, actually, I did a test yesterday, and we lost some Wi-Fi out in the new building that's under construction okay. a little bit. And so I decided to just uh, walk around with my phone and do a tour and record it, and then today I played the recording so I wouldn't have to wander through the building. That's good, though. As I did it. But, um, man, outside the entrance, there are some major weeds. And I don't just mean a lot of them. There are just a few, but they're as tall as me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got curious, like, how tall do weeds get? And, uh, and I Googled that, and I found a, a local news story out of Orangeburg, South Carolina, and this guy had grown a thistle. Sounds like he fertilized it. I don't know if he did or not, but it was 11 feet, 6 inches. So anyway, that's supposedly taller than what was in the Guinness Book of World Records. So. Okay, so hang on. So someone posted online that they grew the tallest weed? Uh, that's why I'm kind of stuck. Well, I think that... <laughs> Or was it like a contest? he had a he had a measuring tape. He was standing on his deck rail, which was like second story level almost, wow, yeah. and had a measuring tape. And I guess he called the newspaper, and they came out and um, did a story on him. So, right, yeah, <laughs> there you go. So anyway, uh, I did a contest and asked our senior adults to to name the the kind of weed it was and. I don't remember what it was. Somebody named it, though, so they knew what it was. And Interesting. Actually, I recognized it. I pulled up many of those, but they've been much shorter than 11 feet whenever I pulled some up. So so besides that, were they happy with the progress of the building? Yes. I mean, it's, it's coming <laughs> right along. <laughs> yeah, you know, we keep the main thing the main right. thing. 
<laughs> Some sidebars are, are great. But, That's um, awesome. Well, before we get into the um, uh, 10 pillars of small group ministry, I just wanted to one, give one disclaimer. Um, you know, sometimes uh, people feel like I set the bar really high when I'm talking about a lot of the things we do. And I realize, hey, it takes a while. And no group, just like no individual, ever totally arrives. No group totally arrives. But we just want to paint a picture of some things to head for. And, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So mm. as you hear things, uh, let me give you a tip. Um, I love going to conferences and learning about small groups and leadership and things like that. But one thing I realized one time is that I could come home with pages of notes and I mm-hmm. never, ever get to all of the notes. And so after a few years of that, I got really smart. And when I'm writing down my notes, when I'm in a conference, I go to the right of the page and I draw a vertical line. And whatever I write on the right side of that small vertical lines, those are the things that I really am committed to do. Mm-hmm. They're not just thoughts, not just ideas, not just knowledge, but things I really decide to do. And I try to take home a very short list. And so that's my challenge today. If you can come up with one thing that you hear today that you would love to improve in your group, then do that one thing because all the other things, we'll bring those back again later. You'll hear them again. And so just take one step at a time. Yeah. You say challenge. I see that as encouragement. Oh, honestly, good. Because you could look at some of this and go, I'm a failure. And that's not the goal. <laughs> that's right. That's not the goal at all. That's right. Yeah, we're not trying to beat you up here. No. <laughs> we just want to want to paint a picture of what a what a great group looks like. There hey, I found a way. We should have a contest. That's good. See that how many good. times we can yeah. use the word great group. Eleven so, episodes in. It's the first time we've done that. There we go. I think <laughs> <laughs> that's sad. We should have thought of that to start with. All right. Well, we're having fun here. We'll do, let's yeah. move on into the content. Well, number one, uh, the number one pillar, and something I think is really really important, Chris, is that the leader needs to be an example of what a Christ follower is. And we've got to model who we want them to become. And there are a few favorite scriptures I have there. Philippians 4, 9, uh, Paul says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And in Philippians 3, 7, Pattern your lives after mine. And I know we're not Paul, but <laughs> Paul, you know, Paul was not perfect, but right. he was able to say that. He would tell you that. <laughs> yes, that's right. He, he certainly did say that. Um, but, you know, we, we need to really focus on who we are. And, you know, our spiritual level of maturity takes years to develop. And so um, it's really important. And one thing that's, that's a good thought, Chris, is that when we become a small group leader, we're not at an arrival point. We are continuing to grow, and I think that's uh, good that we let our groups know that, hey, God is still rubbing off some rough corners in our lives mm-hmm. as well. So, Absolutely. I, I can think of many different ways that uh, some men in my life, uh, especially at our church, have just modeled different things. They might not even be aware that they're doing it, which is a beautiful thing because it's just a part of who they are. Um, I can think of one situation where a very close friend of mine um, he and his wife, uh, they have a ton of kids, and they had a huge desire to do a domestic adoption. Um, it's just something that had always been on their hearts. And so they went through this process, and it was kind of a dry well for a while. Got a call years later and said, hey, got a situation. Would you be interested? And, of course, they were like, we're going to pray on it, but yes. <laughs> so, um, and long story short, there was a ton of things that uh, just came their way that 
a normal adoption would not be faced with. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. that I know there's a, peaks and valleys through adoption the processes. Um, and some of those valleys are really, really deep, like really deep, like mm-hmm. Psalm 23, really deep. Wow. And yeah. um, I just, I remember witnessing how the deeper and the darker it got, the stronger their faith and their commitment to the process went to the point where the, the single adoption became two because mm. it was twins. Wow. They found out when they got to the hospital and the, one of the twins had a terminal uh, condition. Wow. And That's it tough. Was just a, they never gave up. Right. And, and in fact, the doctors asked, so you have the situation, you know, do you still want to go through the adoption? And um, I say, doctors, somebody asked at that point. Um, and their answer was immediately, of course, mm. these are our children. That's and awesome. To me, that just that model of faith and and willingness to go through because you feel you're called to do this was pretty impressive. Right. I think one good question for us is, what's God done in our life lately, or how is He molding and shaping me? And if you can't name anything, then um, you know let's let's look back and let's get into the Word and let's uh, let's pray and. Uh, because God, I think, is always seeking to shape us. All right, number two is vision and direction, and there are a couple of times today I'm going to talk about a map or a trip and sort of use that as an illustration, but vision and direction is knowing where the end goal is, and of course, you've heard us say that a million times. It's (laughs) on our website and everything else. We're all about making disciples, and part of that, just uh, one of the things I teach from time to time, in my mind, it helps me to look at different levels of spiritual growth and sort of analyze where people are and help sort out what their next step is. And the first three of those steps are internal. You know, one example is spiritual disciplines. They're things we are working on for ourselves. And three are external. It's where we start to move outside of ourselves and serve and share the gospel and make disciples. And so at no point in that growth do we need to just stop and be happy where we are we need to continue to move into those higher levels, and we need to have that vision for the people in our groups. Let's don't be happy with where they are, but let's continually challenge people to move to those higher levels of spiritual growth, which move them to service and evangelism and ministry. Mm, i got to be honest. Like, I want to stop right here <laughs> and just spend the next hour talking about this, but we will. press on. We will. At some, we will. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back. But, yeah, this is uh, uh, this, this could be good. Yeah, so. that's going to be a recurring theme. So, um, you know, it's like I, I told you my small group is going through, John. We're almost to the end. And I noticed, uh, you know, in the first post-resurrection appearance, Jesus um, said to them, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And then again, you know, before he ascended into heaven and gave the Great Commission. And then Acts 1.8, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's just time and time again that uh, we're just seeing that we're commissioned to make an impact on a lost world. And so um, that's so important that we know where we're going. And um, I think obedience is, is something that's so important. Um, some translations use the word observe, but bottom line, we've got to live life like Jesus did. One, uh, one passage I think is important for those of us as leaders is Colossians 1.28, and mm. it just says, He, Christ, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone, what? Fully mature in Christ. And so that is the goal, that we become fully mature in Christ. Mm. One of the things I think is um, that we need to be careful with, and sometimes I read this in uh, small group books or hear it in podcasts, 
sometimes a goal of a small group sounds like it's community, and community is important. And sometimes I hear people talk about transparency and, hey, we'll just be great if our group gets to the point that they're transparent. And sometimes it's ministry. But one of the things that's really important is that think of it this way. If our if we shoot at the farthest target out there, which is making disciples, we will hit those other three. We will have community, mm, Yes. we will have transparency, and we will be doing ministry in order to make disciples. Those will be natural things. Yes, they will. And so I thought of that as I was leaving my house today. Um, last time we've recorded in the morning, Here, this time we're recording at night, <laughs> and so it was night. And... Um, when I leave my driveway, I back out and, and go down the hill forward, and it's kind of a steep hill. And when we first moved into the house, I was realizing, you know, as I'm going down the driveway, I can't tell if I'm on the driveway or the grass. And and sometimes oh, wow. I, I was a, killing my grass. And so, yeah, maybe it's my car. It doesn't seem that <laughs> steep, but it is. It is. It's steep when I pull the trash can in from the road. That is. But um, so I try to figure out what to do, and I realize in the lot across my street. There are a couple of trees, and if I look at them and have them lined up in a certain way and aim my car driving straight toward those trees, I hit and stay in my driveway all the way to the road every time. And so this is sort of an example of shooting at something farther than we're... I see what you did So, <laughs> But the illustration breaks down because... I don't want to hit the trees. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, what I was saying is, let's shoot at discipleship, and we'll hit those other things. But no, anyway, so yeah, yeah, be careful when you're driving out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> pillar number three is life change strategies, and I mentioned the, you know, a trip and a journey. And one of the things Liz and I would love to do is go to the um, Canadian Rockies. Um, mm. That would just be beautiful. There's a national park up there called Banff, mm -hmm. and some beautiful scenery up there, and we would like to do that. You know, I've mapped it out three or four times. We've uh, we've never been able to go, but I've mapped it out, even mapped out, okay, we could fly here and, and rent a car and do this or do that. But, um, you know, knowing your destination is important. That's the vision. But some life change strategies would equate to, okay, how are we going to get there? And even if you decide to drive, you're going to have to figure out which roads to go on and, and that type of thing. And so that would be something that's uh, really important. One of the things I think is most important on life change strategies, and we'll spend, Chris, mm -hmm. another session on this somewhere <laughs> down the road, is um, using soft accountability in small groups. And I think sometimes we don't ask people to be accountable, but um, that, that's a really good life change strategy. I was going to add, uh, it, it, it can be a trap of making sure you're nailing that challenge, providing that challenge, but not following up on it. Yes. Not necessarily, you know, give me your answers. Did you do your homework? You know, anything like mm -hmm. that. But it's just reminding myself, hey, check in. Mm -hmm. Did we match up with that? Did we follow up and say what we do what we say we were going to do? That's cool. And really, there are two different kinds of groups. And uh, most of the time, we're, we're talking about small groups, meaning, you know, anybody who will come, you know, that type of thing. And so in those kind of groups, uh, soft accountability means not calling on every person, but just sort of leaving it open. And Chris, you're absolutely right. The next week, I think it's great to say, hey, last week we studied this. Somebody tell me what they did with it. And so that's an example of soft accountability. All right, number four, pillar number four is being a warm and welcoming community. And there are two aspects of that. We want to be a warm community within our group, the people that are already there, 
and we need to think externally, whether it's somebody that's a guest that visits our group or somebody who hasn't visited that's uh, out in our neighborhood or community or friend or workplace that needs to be invited. So hospitality. Um, Absolutely. Which is that's one of the eight pursuits that we have here at Brook Hills. Uh, we pursue kindness, so we welcome graciously. Absolutely. That's good. I was reading a book, um, started it last night, called Discipleship Uncomplicated by Warren Haynes. And he was telling a story, obviously it was long ago, a guy who described himself as a hippie, and he's now a senior pastor. And he said, you wouldn't know me if you saw me back then. <laughs> and for some reason, uh, you know, the author didn't give all the details, but somebody had invited the guy to church, and he comes up, and there's this funny-looking greeter at the door, kind of a, described as a short, stumpy, bald guy. And the guy st- stuck a, struck up a conversation with him, and... Um, you know, they talked a minute, and he went on in. And um, the author was telling about this guy who, um, you know, wasn't sure he was going to be engaged after that first visit. But a couple of weeks went by, and he came by, came back to church three weeks later, and that short, stumpy guy was there again. And he called him by name, hmm. and he talked about what an impact that made on his life. That this man at church, who was just a greeter at the door, remembered his name, hmm. and so he. He attributed that to being something very meaningful and making that church seem like a warm and welcoming place Mm. for him and really made an impact on his life. All right, number five, intentional leadership. One example there would be, well, I mentioned example early on. Uh, Number one was being an example. Um, You know, this could kind of fit under leadership. Mm-hmm. But it's my list. I'm going to do it the way I want. <laughs> so um, I thought it was an important enough point to um, kind of call that out. And, you know, the number one under modeling and, and being an example, that's who we are. It takes, mm-hmm. you know, years to develop who we are. But this is what we do. And so our church has a has a pathway. I see it as um, love Jesus, grow in Jesus, make disciples of Jesus. And mm-hmm. actually on my email footer, I've I've kind of drawn a little diagram to help get that in front of people. And the way I love to teach it, it's a circular pattern. You know, we we love Jesus, we grow in Jesus, and then it kind of circles around like a clock, Mm -hmm. coming back to the 12 o'clock point, make disciples of Jesus. We get to go around again in the circles, but the next time we're taking somebody else through it. And so that continuous growth. Yes, yes, and continuous circles and just taking other people through it. So... But to be intentional, that involves developing leaders. It involves a group ministry plan. And by the way, I've got a couple of people picked out we're going to have on the podcast who sit down and do an intentional ministry plan for their group. And so we'll, uh, we'll learn exciting. how to do that a little bit better. But, you know, evaluate what you're doing as a group leader. And if it's not working, what do we do? We stop it. Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. And stop what doesn't work, do what does work. And that's so important because... You just got to take the pride piece out of it and, and just say, hey, this is not going the way I thought it would. Okay, we're going to change because yeah. it's, it's got to click. It's got to work. Yeah, and I, I think it's good for a group leader to, um, you know, just stop and talk to the group. Sometimes if something's not working, if, uh, if you're giving a challenge and nobody responds the next mm-hmm. week about um, what they did with it, some, just stop sometimes and say, hey, you know, what, what could we do to, you know, be a little bit better here and how can we – you know, grow, or what am I doing that's uh, maybe not connecting with you guys? And sometimes something like that would be good. I'm uh, uh, 100% guilty here um, in giving a challenge 
that was like three paragraphs <laughs> and realizing, oh, no wonder I didn't get a response from that because I didn't even remember what it was. When my own wife asked me, what was the challenge again? <laughs> it's time to change. So now we're, we're doing like a just a one bullet point, you know, just to, cool. to get there. It's impactful. And then we go from there. Yeah, clarity is so important. Yeah. One of the things I do on those is ask the person who emails our prayer request out, I ask them to include the challenge mm-hmm. when they send the prayer request out. And that way it's a reminder of people. Um, one time we did it in our group me, had the people just type in, you know, in their, their group me. Of course, that was a night we asked them to do some uh, kind of individualistic challenges, you know, to, to the lesson that we did. And another point of clarity, humility is a huge asset here. Um, being willing to email your group a couple of days later and say, hey, guys, just want to let you know, I've dropped the ball on my own self on, on challenge this week, and I, I'm not sticking to it. So let's talk through it if y'all are struggling as well. Yep, that is. You would not be, you'd be blown <laughs> away by the response you get from that act. Yep, that is so very true. Well, Chris, we are about out of time, and I think we are going to stretch this into two episodes. Um, oh, wow, we actually yeah, So we are. time went away pretty fast, and so we're going to save number six through ten for next week. And you guys be sure to tune in and we will finish this list. I'm starting to get worried about our 25, 30 minute time frame. I don't think we're ever going to hit it. (laughs) Well, that's all for this episode of the Great Groups Podcast. Please do subscribe on your favorite podcast app so that you won't miss the next episode. Also, visit us online at greatgroups.org and leave a comment there. We would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening today. We'll be back next time with a conversation that inspires you to make disciples. And that's the point of great groups, to make disciples.